0: You are now listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR.
1: It's a part of The Cheats Movement Podcast Network, and this episode is brought to you by 804RVA. Gigi Broadway, we're here, we're ready. How you feeling?
0: Feeling good, man. Locked and loaded. Ready.
1: On this episode of The Cheats Movement on WRIR, we're going to be talking Richmond's cigarette tax with our good buddy from Good Morning RVA, Ross Catrow.
0: We're going to be talking about Kanye West and if he indeed is in the sunken place.
1: We're going to be talking about Beyonce snatching every wig at Coachella and having people talk about it two weeks
0: later. Starbucks. We just need to get to the bottom of it. Are they racist or not?
1: And we have a featured interview by our special guest, Democratic candidate for Congress out of the Virginia 7th District, Abigail Smanberger.
0: And cheats, you cannot forget to mention the super, super important, exciting we announcement that we, we got. can't
1: forget it. We can't forget it. It's a major, major announcement for anyone that follows the cheats movement on WRIR. It's an announcement for June. We're so excited to talk about it and tell you about it a little bit later. This is the cheats movement on WRIR. We'll be back with all of that and more. But first, dipset. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is your host, Cheats. I'm with Gigi Broadway. Gigi, what's good?
0: What's good? Another rainy day here. Um, I don't know. I said rainy day. Let's do that over. Okay, sorry. I don't, oh, don't know. You can get your mic anywhere near I your face. I said- <laughs> Anywhere near your face. If your mic was anywhere near your Any- face,
1: you'd be okay. <laughs> your mic was nowhere near your face. So
0: far god. Okay. All right. My bad. I'm back. All right.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. I'm your host, Cheats. Gigi Broadway is in the
0: building. Gigi, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. Feeling good, excited. A lot been going on. A lot has been going So
1: much on. is going on. We got a lot to talk about. And we've got, I don't know, what do we do for breaking news? Do we have a sound effect? A da-da-da-da-da-da? We, I don't, we do don't need, don't need a sound effect. We need something for breaking
0: news. We got a soundboard
1: coming soon. We have to. We got something. But we do have breaking news. Are you ready for the breaking news? A lot. Yes. Let's go. Literally... This is, it's Meek Mill has been, it is announced, TMZ I think broke it first, but Meek Mill is being released from prison in a matter of hours. Yes. We talked about Meek Mill on previous episodes. Uh, I think it's going to be a total this time of five months he has served, Mm. and he is going to be released later today. I know... I, I, don't, I don't even know exactly what to say about it. Do we strike one for justice? Well, I mean, what do we say here? Because he's still got to go back in 60 days. I think they exactly. got a hearing in 60 days. Yeah, so. But literally, Meek Mill being locked up for five months. If any of you not familiar with Philadelphia's own Meek Mill uh, MC, um, you know, is it was just, I think it was a parole violation that had him in jail for five months. There were rallies all over Philly. Rallies all in the hip hop community about his situation, uh, and that, and he's famous. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. I think the concern is not everybody has the means and resources of a Meek Mill, and they Meek has been in jail for five months
0: over some BS. Apparently,
1: I think it was like riding a dirt bike, and a, I don't know what other like maybe not like traveling without telling his P or something, something of that nature. Yeah. I don't know all the details.
0: It's it's even more minuscule than that, but
1: yeah, we couldn't get into like the judge and all that stuff. But yeah. but we, you know this wasn't even a part of the program. It was just it's breaking like, news. He's free. Meat Mill, oh. according to TMZ, is getting out, and I think the Huffington Post and a couple others is getting out in a, in a matter of of hours. Let's just hope and pray that you know he's on the he's he's a hundred percent on the straight and narrow and about his music. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, let me let me just do the before now that break that breaking news has uh, gotten out of the way. Let's just check in with Gigi Broadway. Gigi, how you feeling? What's going on in your world? We haven't done this, and it's been a matter of weeks, but since we've done an episode, it's our fault. We apologize to all the people. We gotta get we gotta <laughs> get better. Gigi was look what, what what has been going on in your world, and uh, is it true that you went dark for several? Several days and weeks on
0: end. (laughs) Well, you know, I have to go into, um, I got to go off of the grid sometimes because, you know, sometimes things are just overwhelming. It's a lot going on. We got, you know, I can't even go to Starbucks, get a cup of coffee. We're going to get into that. Can't go to the gym, apparently, while Uh, black working out. You know, so I I just don't know how to maneuver sometimes. So I just have to step back and, you know, kind of block myself out of the media out of reality and just just be happy, man. But it is a lot going on. Um, I'm excited about this new music coming out though. We're gonna
1: talk about all of that. But you but it is true and confirmed that you did go dark for a couple of days. I have a week. to.
0: I have to. I have to do it at least once a month.
1: <laughs> you know what I thought and we're gonna we'll we'll get into this in just a little bit. But I thought after Cardi B dropped and everybody figured it was gonna be the number one album in the country that you just couldn't take it and you were like, I'm going off the grid. I'm not gonna listen to any of this of this type of talk.
0: You know what? I try to give her a chance actually. You did know? you did you listen to the album? I tried. I couldn't get very far. But <laughs> Come I tried. On. Come <laughs> what on. can I say? I, I I tried. I gave her a chance. That's funny. You know?
1: Alright, so is it time it is time for our famous opening segment of We See It Or We Don't See It. Gigi Broadway, are you ready?
0: I'm ready as I'll ever be.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special, special segment on the We See It, We Don't See It. Gigi, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you excited? Heck yeah. Last night, after a marathon session of city council, they presented uh, Councilman Parker Agalesto. I'm going to say it wrong, but it's Parker. I want to say Agalesto, or I'm going to say it wrong. They'll fix it. But Parker is what I call him, proposed. uh, they They... ...debated heavily and discussed his proposal for a cigarette tax increase for Richmond Public Schools. Uh, it was, if you're not familiar, it was an 80 cents per, packs, per pack cigarette tax. And a lot like the meals tax from a couple of weeks ago, highly, highly debated. They packed City Hall last night, had a lot of comments. I think City Council's um, meeting ran about five hours, probably over five hours. A lot of public comment, a lot of public input um and because I wasn't there <laughs> at all uh you weren't there no. not at all there was somebody that was I don't know if he was there but he covered he might have watched it live well, on television we'll find out he covers it extensively and he's covered it for years Without further ado, first time on the phone lines. A phone line, GG—that that is not sponsored, by the way. And so there is a sponsorship opportunity for anybody that wants to sponsor uh, these calls. We have my guy from RVA, you know, formerly RVA News and a bunch of stuff before that. Ross is on the line. Ross, how's it going, man?
2: Mark, hello. It's going great.
1: How did you like that introduction? Did we do good?
2: I think you guys did pretty good, yeah.
1: We're trying. We're trying. And so really quickly... Were you in the chamber or did you just watch it and cover it from television, which is, might be a better seat than in the chamber?
2: Oh, yeah. You got to do, you got to live stream. Um, I sat on my couch and I ate Taco Bell and I drank a beer while watching it.
1: But you've covered this uh, pretty much and followed this pretty much since the inception of all of the discussions, whether it was the meals tax and the cigarette tax. I was educated a little bit. I wrote a post on the cheats movement today that. Kind of implied, which I kind of felt was a lot of this cigarette tax vote last night had a lot to do with the meal tax proposal passing. Um, I was educated in many ways in the sense of people going on and being like, no, no, you know, Parker has introduced this proposal year after year. It was proposed well before the meals tax and the mayor was even elected or involved in the meals tax. Yet, uh, no one seems to touch the cigarette tax. What is your sense of what happened last night, uh, and what do you, what is your sense of why what happened last night?
2: Yeah, it's complicated, right? Um, I think. Like, the impetus for this, like you said, is schools. Like, we're trying to fund schools, the need for schools. This is specifically school facility funding, right? Um, And a key difference to keep in mind as we talk about this is the meals tax is bondable money, meaning they can borrow money on top of this meals tax, right? Right. The cigarette tax money.
1: Like, not not to revisit the whole thing, but what what was the deal? It was uh, we were borrowing... With the capacity to raise 150 million, it was like
2: the meals
1: tax would raise 9 million with the ability to borrow 150 million, something like that. Right.
2: And the cigarette tax is not bondable. So you can't borrow any big chunk of money off it. And it's just for these like maintenance needs that pop up that we still have to cover because we've not covered them in, you know, a jillion years. Um, So that's like the kind of background. And I think you're right. Like the meals tax was politically difficult for everyone in the chamber, including the mayor. Um, and it was difficult for the community. And then it just seems like we just did taxes like five seconds ago and now we're doing another tax. So I think the timing was, um, I don't think the timing was bad personally, because I think we should raise this thing and pay for school stuff. But I think the timing was difficult politically. Uh, and you heard, you heard it in their, in their speeches, right?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So my question for you too, in regards to the timing, because again, like I said, I was educated a lot on this online today. But it felt like, to me, that this proposed, like, there was such a diff, difficult political pull for the meals tax. And it was like, hey, cigarettes are bad, too. Let's take up the cigarette tax proposal and let's, you, like, add that to it. Now, and here's the thing. I, I actually agree with what you just said in regards to, I listen to all the public comments, listen to all the speeches. I, I definitely understand that our schools is in desperate need of maintenance fixing and I actually would have probably voted for the tax yesterday uh if I had a vote I not probably I would have voted for the tax yesterday if I had a vote um but it did seem to me like like the sense was okay since we did this really heavy lift on the meals tax like cigarettes are bad too let's just throw it in there and that's probably not the best way to legislate.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, I think you have to keep in mind that we have a very limited number of taxes available to the city of Richmond. Um, the state government just owns so much of the power in the situation. And the things that we can do without going to the state tax permission to do are really limited, like count on t- two hands limited, you know. Um, so it feels like, uh, you know, this is a bad thing. It's like a sin tax. Let's just do it. It's easy. I know it feels like that, but really, like, we're really limited in how we can get the money. And so you know we just don't have a whole lot of options um and that was an easy one to do uh and that's kind of, and like
1: it does seem like so that, that's well that's another question it seems like low hanging fruit right? yeah, yeah. so if it's so if it's such low hanging fruit and I did hear the speeches last night but kind of recap a synops like a overview of all of them why is it if it seems like low hanging fruit why is it so difficult to get done
2: i mean everyone kind of had a different reason right when you go and listen to right. all the different council people for why they voted no, they were all kind of like all over the place. I think the easiest one is like Altria's here, right? Altria's here. They're a massive producer of cigarettes, so we don't want to offend them. But at the same time, every other city in the state of Virginia has cigarette tax. We're not talking about New York style $15 per pack situation. It's like a really low cigarette tax that everywhere else does and Altria would not even notice it. Um, and then you had, I, I think Councilman Addison, um, I think he said that he was concerned about a regional look. Like if he was going to, if we were going to do it in Richmond, he wanted to make sure Henrico and Chesterfield also did it, but.
1: Which is not, that's, they don't even have the ability to yeah, do it. Yeah, they can't, right?
2: it's against the law. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's like a thing. Um, Councilwoman Robertson said that she wanted the money to go to addiction recovery instead of to schools so that
1: which is not like the whole point was for schools right um like the whole point of all of this talk was about school maintenance yeah and councilman new schools and schools exactly
2: and councilman jones said he was for it but he would only be for it if there were four other votes so he kind of wanted to be the deciding vote um or was willing to be the deciding vote i guess uh and then um and then uh, i think most interestingly probably is vice president newble wanted a she wanted a big like she wanted to fund the whole thing right if we're gonna do it we should do it all the way and not do these half steps which is interesting because like that was the exact argument people used for voting for the meals tax right they like they're like hey this doesn't fund the whole thing but we can we should do these steps as we can take them right um, and it, it even it even seemed like the
1: advocates who like i said i agreed with uh but like i looked at the superintendent's speech which it was like, I'm not going to deny money. I don't think this is the best way. Like, I want a comprehensive plan. I want to fully fund the plan. But I'm not going to deny any money for our students because we need it. So talk to me a little bit now about, you followed City Council for a while, and you follow it. Closer than than most people, just by the work that you do on Good Day RVA, just being able to send out the news of the day every day. So it's a wonderful site. If you've never followed it, make sure you yeah, do. Yeah, gmrva.com, um, Boom. There you go. I was gonna. I was. I'm gonna. Hey, gotta plug that because you know you've been a stalwart in the city for <laughs> such a long Thank time. You. With that said, what is your read on the dynamic of City Council in 2018? Like, obviously, there's a, a ton of new faces on the school board. Uh, there's obviously some new faces on council, and obviously there's a new mayor. Um, What is your read? One of the things that's always been kind of difficult to navigate is the politics inside of City Hall, and obviously we saw that a lot through the Wilder and Jones years. Do you think that that climate has gotten better in regards to doing big things for the city and the region?
2: Oh, oh man. I think... I don't know. I hope so. Like, I really hope so, because it wasn't great during that time period. Right. Um, I think there's still there's a new face on council. I think it's still kind of new. They've been there for like, what, 18 months, maybe. Um, And they're still kind of figuring out what their deal is. This is the first budget process they've gone through as their own. Right. They kind of come in last year in January and instantly had to hit the ground doing the budget. This is the first process they've gone through, like the whole thing, but with them, like, you know, as a team. Um, But that said, like, if you go and listen to these budget work sessions, which I do, which are hours and hours and hours long and are incredibly boring sometimes, um, you get the feeling that the working relationship between school board mayor and city council is not super great. Um, Everyone's trying to, like, get theirs, which is a not super great vibe. Um, You'll often hear, like, comments that it's it's a necessarily adversarial relationship when it comes to budgeting. And like maybe I'm just like a naive dude, but I don't believe that that has to be the case. Um, if we wanted to budget like the three groups, if they wanted to budget in like a cooperative way, I think that's a possibility. I just don't know how we get there from where we are now.
1: Interesting. And let's take it back before we get you out of here. Let's take it back to specific, specifically school funding. Right. So um, obviously we talked about the mill tax. We saw what happened. Uh, yes, last night, late last night, on the cigarette uh, tax proposal, I wrote, and I do believe that obviously there is a great need for comprehensive, a uh, comprehensive plan for funding. I, I would not have gone as far as Council Councilman Newbill, um, or Councilwoman Newbill, to vote against the proposal because of the comprehensive plan. But there's definitely a need for one. I can't see any comprehensive plan that doesn't include the cigarette tax, right?
2: I don't know. I mean, I think you got to do property tax like that's what it comes down to. Property tax right now is about half of the city's income and it's the only bucket big enough to fund the things we need to fund. When we want to talk about schools, which is about three quarters of a billion or three quarters of a billion dollars, right? That's seven hundred and some million dollars that schools need for just facilities. When we want to talk about public housing, which we want to like repair and restore and rebuild our public housing. We talk about transit we talk about affordable housing, all this stuff. The only bucket big enough, I think, is property tax. And um, Dr. Neubel mentioned it a little bit last night. And I think if we want to get serious, we got to look at everything, including cigarette tax. But like cigarette tax is like a tiny little thimble compared to like, yeah,
1: like very small, right? Even last night's proposal, well, we were talking about five little bit. of Five million dollars,
2: and like you know, you're not going to rebuild public housing. You're not going to fix all of our schools with five million dollars a year. It's not going to do it. But like you said, that's not an excuse not to take that money that's laying on the table.
1: Interesting, Ross. Thank you so much on this. So, you you mentioned it before, but tell a little bit. Uh, tell our audience, our listeners, everyone out there, exactly what you've been doing in regards to the amazing service and site that uh, you provide in your wonderful newsletter. Tell people where to find it. Yeah.
2: So uh, it's called Good Morning RVA. It's gmrva.com. And every morning I wake up and I kind of write a look at what's important in Richmond, what's going on and my very biased opinions on it. So if you want to hear my thoughts and feelings on what the city is doing, uh, you can go to gmrva.com and subscribe. And there's one email right around 7:30 depending on how much coffee i have if i haven't had enough it's usually a little later but I try to get it out around 7:30
1: awesome it is a wonderful wonderful platform it's a wonderful service i've obviously followed your work for years before uh, i think it was the only blog aggregate that if i ever saw anything that i followed on it years before even before uh, rvnews yeah I was it's really like 10 years about. ago so thanks Ross, and we'll be in touch on the uh, call in hotline for the first time
2: yeah thanks y'all thanks man
1: ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen this is cheats with the cheats movement on wrr gg broadway is here i am and we are back with our gg at that time for our very special announcement get excited are you ready
0: am i spill it spill it cheats
1: so ladies and gentlemen mark your calendars june 13th at 804 rva we will be doing our first ever live podcast before an audience. Hopefully of you, hopefully you will come and support 804RVA and the Social Impact Club our live podcast at 804RVA. Our featured guest, are you ready? Very excited. We will be sitting down with Michael Paul Williams of the Richmond Times Dispatch. He is a legend uh in the in the cap city. He has been writing columns uh, conscious columns, cultural columns for the Richmond Times-Dispatch for years. He is on our dream wish list of sit-down interviews, and we will sit down with him live before your audience live. It's completely live, cheats. It's completely live. You'll be able to ask questions. Hopefully, we'll be able to record it. I don't know if we will. We're going to try, <laughs> technology-wise. <laughs> but it is June 13th, 804RVA, Social Implant Club, Cheats Movement on WRIR, live podcast. We will have a musical guest performing. We will have a bunch of special guests possibly coming in and being a part of the building, being part of the experience. It's going to be so fun. We've never done this before. So mark your calendars June 13th, 804 RVA. To get all the information on the live podcast, it's the Social Impact Meeting, Social Impact Club meeting at 804 RVA. You can follow the cheatsmovement.com and you can follow 804rva.com they're gonna have all the information Gigi you seem like you have something to say you're excited about this I'm nervous now yes I' I'm, I'm excited see, I'm not nervous I'm you excited sell
0: our bloopers live we have some serious bloopers.
1: we have a ton of bloopers <laughs> but we're gonna be back right after this cheats movement on WRIR. we see it. it's two weeks old now so let's start with beyonce being the first black woman to ever headline Coachella, and the performance, not only the performance that she did, but the reaction from people. It is literally two weekends later. They're still talking about it. I mean, I saw it. I don't know if you saw it. I saw the whole thing from start to finish. I have comments in regards to uh, all I can say is, What I thought was... I I am overly favorable of Beyoncé and everything that she did. Did you see Beyoncé's Coachella performance week one? Not week two, because nobody saw week two, apparently. But week one's Coachella performance.
0: I saw bits and pieces of it. I I didn't watch the whole thing.
1: Now, you are not a card-carrying member of the Beehive like I am, (laughs) right? So thoughts about not just the performance, but the reaction from all that was America.
0: I mean, it's Beyonce, so I expected the performance to be on a certain level. I mean, let's just get that out of the way. The performance was great. Now, the reaction to the performance, that was a bit much. That was a bit much. I mean, I saw a lot of heated debates about, you know, her and MJ.
1: Michael Jackson, there was a lot. I didn't know where those came from. Where did those come from? I don't know. There were a lot of comparisons to Michael Jackson versus Beyonce.
0: I even saw James Brown versus Beyonce. I
1: mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I will. Th- so now, do you know, where do you come down on it? Do you even think that's an a- absurd debate or no?
0: I will say this. I don't think it's absurd, um, but I feel like it's a frivolous debate that really doesn't need to be had. But, you know, it, it's a it's a matter of up. A preference. You know what I mean? I think it's a style preference. Some will you know go to the grave saying Michael Jackson was the greatest performer of all times. So I can't dispute that. Some people very tough to dispute. It's very, tough, very to dispute. tough
1: to dispute. I will say this. I have never seen Michael Jackson's a whole like Michael Jackson, <sighs> it's very hard to say that anyone is better than MJ. Right. I would put Beyonce I would, I've never seen a James Brown live performance. True. So of the ones that I can say and I've never I've never been in any arena where Michael Jackson <laughs> has been or actually for that matter Beyonce. So I guess we're on the same level of comparing like what I see on TV. Right. Right of uh Michael Jackson and Beyonce. It is very hard to put anyone over Mike. So I'm going to say Michael Jackson is probably the like most compelling live performance situation that i've ever seen of all time with that said there is no one in the game today that puts on a show like beyonce i think she's i think she's the best right now uh in this era like she's just she is michael jordan of this era she's lebron if that's a good comparison if michael jackson is michael jordan Beyonce is by far like LeBron, like the best player in the game right now. No one can do what she's
0: doing right now. Uh, no, <laughs> no one has the machine behind them like she yeah, does. This, I will agree. You, this machine, you are always big on machine. The machine is real. But she is
1: major talented. Do you want to talk about Kanye?
0: I do and I don't.
1: Do you want to talk about Kanye? Again, if we're going to talk about Kanye West and all of his antics on Twitter since he's returned to Twitter and most recently. I lost sleep on Kanye West. But if we're going to talk about this, please let you know, direct all of your angry tweets <laughs> to GG Broadway. You can do it at uh, Movement at gmail.com. Gigi Broadway is, her views are all hers. No one else is of this, but I am disturbed. Kanye West, I'm very disturbed about. I'm worried. I'm actually worried. And I lost sleep, and I wrote on Facebook that, Kanye West is officially problematic to our community right now. Mm, mm, mm. You don't agree, though. You seem to be. You seem to feel differently.
0: Kanye's the truth, man. I'm sorry. The truth of what he is. Oh, that.
1: come on. Go uh, ahead. Go I, ahead. Tell me. Like so, for for those of you who haven't followed extremely closely, Kanye West made a triumphant return to Twitter, where he tweets all of these horrible, horrible products that he's making. <laughs> That people are spinning Lord knows what on Yeezus 19,000. And yes, I've completely turned on Kanye West, who is a musical genius, but I've completely turned on Kanye West now. And he's just doing this thing where he puts up horrible products, then he tweets something that gets you really excited, like he's... like, single-handedly producing Nas's album, and he's got a joint album with Kid Cudi and Kanye, and Your T's album's dropping, and he's dropping all this stuff, and then he turns around and says he loves the way that Candace Owens thinks, who is... (sighs) There's no words for me to describe how disappointed I am with the whole Kanye West-Candace Owens situation. Yet... I remember losing sweep and actually tweeting my co-host, Gigi Broadway and saying this brother's problematic. And your response was <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's amazing. Kanye is so disruptive, but I think in a beneficial way, honestly, just- how,
1: how is this latest iteration of Kanye West, who is a guy that now we know from other sources is going around talking about how much he loves Donald Trump and now is praised Candace Owens, who for those of you who don't know who Candace Owens is, she is uh, the spokesperson like the college spokesperson for Turnpoint, which is a conservative group that goes on college campuses converting (laughs) (laughs) you know, basically blaming black people and brown people for all their problems and has no like understanding of institutional racism or history. They have no recollection of any of these things Uh, and yet Basically, Kanye West, who is living, who's, let's just be frank. Now, I I'm concerned. Kanye West, I think, is a little disturbed. Uh, hella rich in an ivory tower, <laughs> in an ivory tower in Calabasas, with the Kardashian family, who is his family, who he loves. He seems to be a good father, but like his connection to reality seems to be distorted at best. And now he's going around saying all of these things with a legion of folks that follow every word he says. I think it's probably problematic. I think it's dangerous.
0: The point... <laughs> okay. True or, n- true or not, we need a change, right? Something's gotta give. Right? Don't we need some type of spark to ignite some type of change? I feel like Kanye might have that spark, man.
1: Well, what spark are we looking for is the question. Like, so, I mean, because, again, when you're now going into the territory that he's going into i mean it is in my mind dangerous right so i mean he basically wants everyone to be like him like and everyone doesn't have his kind of situation for them to be able to be successful on their own this is mind you the same guy that was begging the entire fashion industry to give him a hands-up, right? But he couldn't get in. <laughs> but now he's looking at people and saying, I, I just want to, you know, look to the future. And, and uh, like, I can't, I can't attest every word that Candace Owens says to Kanye West, but that tweet makes me think that he agrees with the mentality that someone like Candace Owens has, which happens to be that, like, black and brown people are making up all of their challenges. And... We need to 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 figure out what's truth and what's not. And her red pill truth is that we are, you know, black people aren't oppressed today. They were oppressed. My grandfather was oppressed, and they didn't whine about it. Is what things of those are the elk of a Candace Owens type
0: lecture? I think people have taken a lot of what she said and run with it because honestly, it does sound a little bad. It does. Okay, it sounds. It does. It sounds really bad, but you know there are some glimmers of some good constructive thoughts that i think are necessary to invoke a change like you know i, I don't think it's she's like you know racism doesn't exist we need to get over it but uh okay all right <laughs> well look from what i gather uh. she's like okay she's saying it's a civil war amongst black people i agree it's it's two types but see I don't agree with her types. She's saying there's the type uh that is that feels oppressed, victims. So she's basically having a victim versus victor kind of mentality. That's the
1: exact word she used in her viral clip. Yeah, and, and victim I victim versus victor mentality. You
0: know, and I get it. I get it. Now, are we oppressed? Have we been oppressed? Is there racism? Yes. Does she kind of wanna turn a blind eye to that, I think, and focus more towards more constructive, futuristic solutions? Sure, what's wrong with that?
1: I think it's very easy for someone like uh, Candace Owens, someone like Kanye West, even someone like myself, to say, okay, let's just move on and get over it. But all three of us are in much better situations than a lot of the people that she's talking about and I think it gives a lot of conservatives that may not necessarily be black or brown this light bulb that says, yeah, you know what? You know, racism doesn't exist or sexism doesn't exist. And I think that's dangerous because it does. It happened. And like, you know, it, it, it's, it's just kind of devolved. It's, it's just. History. You're not looking at actual facts. And she's presenting facts that may be relevant to her life. And Kanye may identify with those because they're relevant to Kanye's life, right? Uh, But I also think that this is a lot more personal on Kanye's end. I think this is a lot more personal and a lot more petty. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. We talked about this because, you know, what just happened, right? Beyonce goes up and no matter how you cover it, she gave... The most blackest performance in the history of Coachella. <laughs> okay. First black woman to headline Coachella. Sung the Negro National Anthem at a co- H- H- <laughs> historically black college and university marching band. It was a sea, a celebration of blackness, formation, all of that. Right. Everybody's talking about Beyonce in a way that she's accepted her and Hove because this still has a lot to do with Hove. Don't get it twisted. Her and Hove are accepted by the black community in a way that Kanye West may never be now because of the whole affiliation with, you know, his family and his situation. And so I think he, I mean, I just think it's ways for him to take these, you know, kind of undertone snapshots at at Hove and NB and, and, and all of the people that, you know, he feels rejected him, Right. The other thing that was bought up that I really didn't think about of this is all of this Donald Trump love, it was bought up, uh, I was looking at an interview, maybe, maybe it was Hot 97 or something like that, but it was bought up, and rightfully so, that President Barack Obama called Kanye West a jackass. You remember that? Exactly. He did something, and President Barack, uh, President Barack Obama was laughing it off and just said, he's a jackass. <laughs> and everybody was laughing around him. You know who wasn't laughing? kanye west well on that note you tell us what you think happened to kanye west because <laughs> i'm still disturbed Gigi's less disturbed so you can let us know what you think about that we've got a couple more segments up here and we've got to go fast because we're already cutting in for time uh Gigi broadway do you want to do you, what do you see when you hear the starbucks after all of the incidents and the calling the police on the brothers in Philadelphia, I believe it is, they are shutting down on May 29th for a full day, 80,000 stores for a day of racial sensitivity training. Do you see this or do you not see this?
0: I would love to see this. I would love to be a fly on the wall to see what solution Starbucks comes up with within one day to cure all of this racism that has been going on. I do you think it's know.
1: the right thing to do or not the right thing to do, given all the things that have happened?
0: I think it's a pandering move. I think it's, I mean, it can't hurt, is what I'm, you know.
1: I I think that's where I come down on it. I I think that you're right. It's a PR move, and it's probably a pandering move. But what else is anyone else doing? Exactly. When These things happen every day. You were mentioning, a, a, I think it was a gym situation where yeah, something was Yeah, LA happened. Fitness,
0: they kicked uh, two black guys out. Three workers were just fired for kicking them out for no reason.
1: So for the fact that Starbucks has the heart to be like, look, we messed up. Let's try to figure out to fix this.
0: I, g- I guess I got to give them credit, right? No, they get no credit. This is really? a backpedaling. This is a, a, a PR. Please help me. Please don't boycott me. Move. But
1: real quick, think about all the organizations, companies, businesses, whatever that screwed up. How many of them... Bend over backwards like this to shut down eighty thousand stores. I don't know how much money they're losing for the day to actually address the issue. Doesn't that so that doesn't move you at all? Not at all. So are you boycotting Starbucks?
0: Yes, I am. What? I'm Panera Bread all day long. That is not a boycott. Like
1: that's just a personal preference.
0: No, I'm. serious. <laughs> <laughs> that's your personal preference. No, that's not I'm a boycott. Never stepping foot into Starbucks until. Are you
1: serious? Yeah. Yeah. What more? My thing is, what more can you do? I, I cannot. I can't. I feel like. What more can you do outside of, you know, I think that manager doesn't work at that store anymore. I think he's been fired. I think, <laughs> he left. The, again, I think 80,000 stores shutting him down single-handedly uh, is going to bring awareness to this issue. It's I think, I think they messed up majorly, royally, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they are, you know, doing what they can to course correct. If we had that type of response from any of the local police departments that shoot unarmed black and brown people, if we had that type of response, I think the world would be in a better place.
0: Oh, please. (laughs) I'm not buying it. Starbucks, good try, but no. I'm even more insulted that y'all threw a day to try to act like y'all are resolving all of these (laughs) underlying racist issues. No, I'm not buying it.
1: Listeners, you tell us what you think. Starbucks on the right path or the wrong, wrong path thecheatsmovement at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is the Cheats Movement on WRRR. This is episode three or four, depending on how you're counting, and we have a very special guest. I am in the 7th Congressional District of Virginia. I am in the West End of Henrico, and I'm here with candidate for Congress, Abigail Spanbergler. How's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So, first question I always ask for anyone that is running for elected public office. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you subject yourself to running for elected public office in 2018? Given all that's going on in the world, you have made a decision that you want to obviously serve the Commonwealth and Uh serve your district, why Why do this?
3: Why do this? It's funny. I do have people say, let me just ask you one quick question. Are you crazy? (laughs) Um, You know, I think the answer is really simple um, or complicated, I think, depending upon how you look at it. And that is that I think that we need people who are committed to, to changing the conversation in Washington, who are committed to listening to people within the community, and committed to being a voice for people within the community. Um, and there were a number of, of more recent occurrences, in, in particular, the House healthcare vote, when the House of Representatives voted to repeal ACA, when we had friends, personal friends, who were and very, very impacted by that decision and there are people out there who are working every day to provide for their families and to provide opportunities to themselves and people in their community Um, and those people need somebody who can advocate for them and who will fight for them and who will work to make legislation that that impacts their lives in a positive way Um, and frankly i can't tolerate what i see coming out of washington most days and so i want to be a part of changing that now was this
1: something was like public office in general kind
3: of elected, uh, is
1: this something that was always on your radar or was it really kind of, you just kind of saw the direction of the way that our discourse in Washington was going and you were like, I can help? Like, usually, <laughs> usually, and I'm around, uh, you know, public officials and people running for office quite a bit. Usually it's it's a little bit of like, hey, kind of, uh, you know, I kind of see myself as a leader. I mean, maybe this is something for me. But was that, was that something that was always ingrained in you growing up?
3: Um, well, so I, I never saw myself running for political office. I had it, I had always grown up in a household where we talked about the value of public service and we talked about the value of serving our country. And so um, my father had was a federal agent and my mother was a, a nurse. Um, and both were very committed to their, their jobs and their professions um, and the community as a whole. But um, the idea of actually running for public office is, is a relatively new proposition. I had I had been a federal law enforcement officer myself and then served with the CIA. Um, and we moved back to the Richmond area three and a half years ago because I really wanted to get involved in a community and put down roots for our kids and, and kind of pivot out of, at the time I thought, pivot out of public service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fooled you. <laughs> fooled you. Uh, that you. Uh, yeah. And so... It, the decision to run is a lot more motivated by by recent recent events and just the fact that, you know, as a CIA officer, I worked under a Republican administration. I worked under a Democratic administration and it was really just about serving the country. It was about protecting people, from, you know protecting the country from a terrorist threat and informing policymakers by collecting the best information possible. Um, and so watching people just rush into decisions and watching people prioritize political expediency over really informed decision making, I think, is is one of the things that motivated me most to run.
1: And we're going to talk about your time at the CIA because I okay. have all kinds of like imaginary questions. Sure. And I watch a lot of like Homeland and things of that nature. <laughs> I know that that is not exactly what it's like for everyone i know it's real for some now um but i do uh, let's let's back up to one thing you and not just you but a collection of women that chose to get involved in the political process after the 2016 election right we're on the cover of time magazine with articles like you know this is the future wave of elected office talk about this wave of activism uh, Post 2016 and how it seems to be led by women. Act
3: well. Um, the the cu- the the Time Magazine piece was entitled "The Avengers," which it was <laughs> yes, <laughs> which so tr- I think Trust is- me, I know. <laughs> Been
1: really upset about this, but go ahead, continue.
3: On. Um, you know, I think it, I think it's actually pretty interesting because people are talking about this the wave of women who stepped forward in 2017 here in Virginia we saw and many of them won their seats we did uh, which was incredible and and it's it's at the state level it's local elections i have a, a dear friend who was elected to the Blackburg, Blacksburg Town Council, uh, who she was just elected this past year, so there, there's a tremendous wave of women running all over the country, and, and I think what's really interesting, what I have seen personally, is there are so many women who've been involved in their communities in really meaningful, and impactful ways, be it at, you know with local schools or. Um, advocating for something related to building infrastructure or advocating for nonprofit organizations, R- really driven and in, involved in really organized planning that benefits particular causes, but they haven't, always, they haven't been political causes necessarily. And so I think what's been interesting for me is that I have witnessed, even in my personal life, the, the women I have seen who have been driven to run they've been very engaged in their communities or they've been very engaged in something um, that requires a longer term vision, that requires a commitment to working on behalf of, you know, a, an ideal or other people, but recognizing that what's happening at Washington, in Washington or you know, at, at the GA impacts whatever it is that they care about, be it research for a particular disease or something related to schools, that it all does boil down to what's happening in our legislative bodies really does impact whatever it is that they care about. So I I think it's been an interesting shift watching women who've been advocating for years in various different ways set their sights on being a part of actually the political decision-making as a way to potentially even more meaningfully impact the things that are happening in their communities.
1: I think you're right, and I think it's a good thing. I've always learned growing up that it seems as if the more voices we have coming to a table is better, right? I mean, it's just, you know, you're going to get better ideas with a diverse uh, makeup, and what we've seen, I think, too long is that it just hasn't been that way. You just haven't seen enough diversity in our legislative bodies on the local level all the way over the top, and there's still a lot of work to do, but it seems to be, this seems to be a good moment for... (laughs) that type of now why do you think that moment is do you really i mean is it something that you saw before the election of the current president or
3: no (laughs) so i mean there there have been challenges and problems in in our i mean that we've needed to address for a long time but i think that when we're generally in a good place economically, and Barack Obama was our president, there there were a lot of reasons to think we were in a pretty good place. And I think that the the shock of seeing someone like President Trump become president, and um, recognizing that basically he had said something offensive and disrespectful towards pretty much every demographic yeah. population yeah. possible, um, I I think that did really motivate people. I mean, and especially. I mean, for me, you know, the idea that I have three kids, and the, the ways that I teach them to treat other people, the ways that I encourage them to engage and respect and show empathy, um, are just not in any way <laughs> values that we see even just coming from the way the president interacts with other people. I, I think that it was a a shock to a lot of people's systems, right? And when you were talking about having more voices around the table. I do think that when there are people with various different personal experiences, you know, be it from how they grew up or be it from their professional experience or be it because of who they are and how they perceive the world and how the world perceives them. I think that anytime you have any level of, of difference of perspective at a table, it's valuable because it also invites it invites more, um, more discussion. And so, you know, you might have group of five people around the table if they're all different you end up getting not just the perspectives of those five people but when you recognize that there can be those significant differences i think then you're even open to seeing further differences beyond that um and and bringing in those voices and and having those be part of the conversation
1: let's let's talk about the seventh so you're running for uh congress in the seventh district Traditionally, it's safe to say, right? Traditionally, through the Brad Caner years, it's been a Repu- like a Republican since, stronghold. Since the right?
3: early 70s, yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Longer than we've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Um, and so that can be intimidating, right? You're running as a Democrat. You're running in the Democratic primary in June, and then hopefully uh, uh, if everything goes well and the way that you're planning it, you'll be running in November. Um, when you look at the makeup talk to me about the makeup of the seventh when you look at the seventh uh what kind of gives you motivation And and for people that don't know geographically, also tell us where the seventh is. The seventh is a weird district, right? It it really is. It's a weird district that stretches a lot. Parts. Uh, Tell tell me demographically where the seventh is, and then what gives you optimism uh, in regards to running in in such a Republican stronghold.
3: So the the a little geography lesson on the seventh, which I I usually give at most of our meet and greets, because it is such a funny shaped district. And we were we, we were recently redistricted in 2016. So it, if people are listening and don't know if they're in the seventh, don't feel bad. Many people don't. There was uh, change district change in the district lines. We are all of Culpeper County, all of Orange County, all of Louisa County, all of Goochland County. We are western Spotsylvania, the majority of Spotsylvania, but on the western side. We are uh, a large percentage of Henrico County, predominantly on the western side. Uh, we are large portion of Chesterfield County, again, on the western side. And then we are Powhatan County, Amelia County, and Nottaway County. We used to have a portion of Richmond City. We no longer do. And our lines, kind of as they stretch around Richmond City, uh, where the border is within Henrico and Chesterfield, uh, near the city lines, is, is very, very jagged. On our website, we actually have... One of the best things I've I've already given you credit for this, <laughs> this off before the interview,
1: but learn like go to the website if you want to see exactly the kind of the makeup of the 7th district and it's fascinating
3: yeah we, we you can type in your address and it'll pop up and you can see if you're in the district and it'll for people who are kind of along the city border you can actually see where the line is because there's some places where one side of the streets in the seventh and one side of the streets in the fourth so but uh but that's the district and we are historically a republican voting district we, with a, a couple sort of an anomalies there we have um, you know it's interesting because in Virginia we don't we don't register with parties so we just have to rely on historical voting information in terms of whether or not you vote in a democratic primary or Republican primary. and there's also some modeling that, that is often done. So we're about a third of the population is ideologically independent, a third ideologically conservative and a third ideologically liberal. Um, and so that third, pop, the third that's ideologically independent, they've historically voted more on the Republican side. Um, but I think what's really interesting is where we are now, there's a couple things that I, th- I think make this race really exciting this year. And that is that that middle of the road, historically Republican, but more independent voter, um, th- those people increasingly, um, many of them have expressed a disagreement with what's happening in Washington be it the rhetoric out of the white house be it the fact that our incumbent is frequently aligned or generally always aligned with with the white house and then even just the overall lack of civility that's that is coming out of washington and the fact that we're really not getting anything done people are prioritizing their political ideology over um the desire to to basically have congress do and achieve its its basic functions so i think that's a little bit of a motivating factor to some of the independent to consider voting in a way they may have historically not recently we also have a lot of people who fall into the category of voting every four years at the presidential um who are now inclined to pay attention you know in virginia we have elections every single year um and so we have
1: (laughs) boy don't we
3: so it's it's exciting you know we have a lot of people who who got so inspired with the 2017 elections and particularly in the henrico chesterfield area we had tremendous candidates uh who who ran in the portions that fall within the seventh and and three of them were successful in flipping their seats in the the house of delegates and so you know there's so much energy and people have seen the success that we can have when we really advocate for the issues that are important to us um and and so i think it is a really changing district it it certainly isn't an easy easy path um but we're just going
1: (laughs) (laughs) was there any time when you were like all right, let me look at the And Then you're like, "What? What? Just, what is happening?" I'm running. Where? where?
3: Yeah. Well, and it's so funny too because I mean, the district. It, I I think it's such a cool place. And even I was up, I was in Culpeper on um, on Saturday evening, and the drive to Culpeper. It's gorgeous. It is. It, it's gorgeous. You know, and the idea that you get to dr- like drive across all this beautiful country, and it's all part of the district. Which, and it looks and feels totally different than parts of Western Henrico. And then, you know, and Chesterfield's different from Henrico. And then you go to Nottaway County and it's totally a different a different place as well. So it's actually really exciting because there's all these issues that are really, uh, across the board, I think people, generally people have a lot of the same concerns. But understanding how they impact the different communities differently, I think is, is, a, is, an, interesting, is an interesting challenge for, for someone running in this district. And I find it really exciting.
1: We're going to have to wrap it up there. Abigail, tell us where, you know, we can find you on social media, where you can find your website. Tell us what's going. You just had a pretty big office opening last yes. week. Tell us where they can find all things.
3: Okay. So all things related to the campaign. Our website is Abigail Spanberger. That's S-P like Peter. Sp- a n like nancy b-e-r-g-e-r but don't worry if you spell it wrong you'll probably be redirected because there's not th- not a lot of things similar to that so abigail we're also on facebook on twitter and on instagram we did have a great office opening just this past weekend um so it's exciting the the progress of the campaign and the momentum of the campaign and i invite you all to check us out and like us on facebook and and be in touch with the campaign
1: and we'll have to wrap it up there. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We'll be back to close out the show with our music fix. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cheats, and we are back. Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is part of the Cheats Movement Podcast Network, and this episode has been brought to you by 804RVA. We need to thank the candidate for the se- from the 7th Congressional District, Abigail Spamberger. She is – you can check out all of her information on her website – Uh, Just a very interesting, interesting story. The primary is in June. The general election is in November. And she is trying to change the 7th from red to blue. So make sure you check out all of her information. And, you know, give her a visit. She's really good. Her campaign's really good on email. So I'm really excited about that. And we are back with Gigi Broadway. It's that time. Music picks. Good old music picks. Good old music picks. We're going to close out this show with our music suggestions for the week. Uh, you start. What do you got? You got a lot. There's a lot of new stuff coming out. Uh, we've been gone for a couple of weeks, so throw out some of the names that you think people should be listening to.
0: My boy Rezon the Don. Just Shout out Rezon the Dawn. One. She.
1: What's the album called?
0: T-W-O-I-2. Two.
1: Okay. Rezon the Don. What else you got?
0: Who else? Who else? Um... Fly Anakin.
1: Fly Anakin is got. He's he's actually my music pick. So I'll go. I'll go now. My music. My official music pick for this week. All of you check out Backyard Boogie. It's Fly Anakin and uh, Obliv together. It's uh, there's a bunch of featured guests on there. Mutant, Mutant Academy's on there. But Backyard Boogie. We're gonna play a little bit of that. Fly Anakin. Obliv the the homie, the OG, the legendary producer that lives right here in Richmond VA. Uh Southside Southside Brad, I think. So make sure you check that out. What else you got? What's your official music fix, bro? Nicki Minaj. I don't
0: know
1: what that means at the
0: end. If anybody can, can if she
1: knows what she means by that. No clue. No clue. No clue. But we're going to have to end it on that. This has been another episode of The Cheats Movement on WRRR. Everyone make sure you follow, you can follow all of us and what we're doing on the cheatsmovement.com. You can also check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe leave a comment we're so uh pleased with the response we've been receiving so far so we're very excited about it we want to keep the momentum going um final words Gigi broadway be blessed we see it